0: It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity.
1: I always want to say it was the real deal because I didn't know anybody on the coaching staff. I didn't have any rich friends or any anything that helped me get chosen to be on that, on that football team.
0: A long-shot chance to join one of the most storied programs in college football.
1: My life didn't change as much then, as it has
0: changed afterwards, it's become,
1: I, I didn't realize how big a deal it was. On this episode
0: of Connected, the AEP employee podcast, tradition, teamwork, and friendship.
1: As I learned, it's it's about supporting and being a team player and doing everything it takes to to help your teammates out.
0: How an ad in a student newspaper led one employee to become part of college football history. Thanks for joining me. I'm Bailey Coltice. College football is a game of traditions, especially in the states where AEP operates. There's the Sooner Schooner wagon driving across the field at Oklahoma University, the Ohio State University marching band dotting the I in Script Ohio, and singing Take Me Home Country Roads at West Virginia Mountaineers games. Then there's Texas A&M, and A&M is a school where traditions are sacred.
1: There's a lot of tradition at Texas A&M, and it's an extremely uh, big deal to get the chance to do that.
0: This is Ike Lyles. Ike recently retired as the manager of distribution systems for the Abilene District in AEP, Texas. Ike knows a little bit about college football traditions because he became the embodiment of one at Texas A&M.
1: I went and looked around at, uh, you know, the top two engineering schools in Texas and went to the University of Texas and looked around, and it was just too uh, metropolitan. It was just really a a big campus. I went to Texas A&M, and it was a lot more uh, laid back, more spread out, kind of more country, if you would. I, I was born and raised in a small town, Stamford, Texas, a population of about 3,300 people. So I liked, uh, I guess you'd say a small town, country atmosphere at Texas A&M. Even though it was a large school, it had about 33,000 students at the time. I didn't have a lot of A&M tradition in my family before I went, so I didn't know a lot of the traditions. And back then, I don't know that they taught you the traditions unless you were in the
0: core. One of the biggest traditions at the school is the 12th man. In football, there are 11 players on the field for each team. At Texas A&M, the students represent the 12th man. The students contribute as that extra player by standing and cheering the entire game. The 12th man is considered one of the top 10 college football traditions by ESPN and Sports Illustrated. Now, if you didn't go to Texas A&M, it can be a little hard to understand why standing and cheering during a football game is a big tradition. It all started in 1922. Texas A&M was having a rough time during a big game. There were a lot of injuries, and the team's bench was almost empty by halftime. The team's coach remembered a player named E. King Gill was in the press box, helping reporters ID players. Gill had played on the team, but quit to focus on basketball. So the coach asked him to suit up, and Gill joined the Texas A&M sideline for the second half of the game. There, Gill stood as the only player on the team's sideline for the rest of the game ready to play when his school needed him. Texas A&M ended up winning the game, and Gil never did play. What's important to Aggies is the symbolism of Gil coming down from the stands and being there when the team needed him.
1: So that tradition, as far as the 12th man goes, uh, it it really, uh, as I learned, it's it's about supporting and being a team player and doing everything it takes to, to help your teammates out, really being ready to step in anytime you're needed.
0: Ike was the first person in his family to go to college, and he was focused on one thing when he arrived on Texas A&M's campus.
1: I was really just about tired of playing football. I was ready to take a break from it. I had a couple of uh, letters to go play in some smaller schools, but I I decided not to play. I was most concerned about studying to becoming an electrical engineer and dedicated to studying. So I was really... uh, studying hard. I, I, I <laughs> things didn't come as easily to me as they did for other some other people and the, and of course the curriculum is really tough. They have flunk out courses. They try to weed all the guys out and the girls out that that aren't very good. I mean they take the cream of the crop and then they weed out the cream of the crop, you know. So they have all these flunk out courses and stuff. So you really really got to be dedicated and study.
0: Just before Ike started at Texas A&M, the school hired a new head football coach. Jackie Sherrill. Coach Sherrill's first year with the Aggies was average, a 500 season. So the following year, the coach took a gamble and bet on the student body and its 12th man tradition. Coach Sherrill decided to create a special unit made up completely of walk-on players. He put an ad in the student newspaper announcing tryouts, saying no experience was necessary.
1: Uh, buddy saw that and asked, you know, if I wanted to try out. I said, yeah, man, I, I'm ready to play football again. So I, so I went and tried out. And when I showed up out there, there were, uh, man, I want to say between uh, 200 and 250 people. And, you know, so after all uh, after all the dust settled, you know, we had, they timed us in the 40-yard dash. They timed us in all kinds of different agility drills. And when you got knocked down, see how fast you could get up and kept doing all this. And so finally they weeded us down to about 40. And of those forty people, all of us went went through the full pads training the whatever the following spring camp. So you can't really tell if someone can play football unless unless they put the pads on and, and they you know, you see how how willing they are to to hit, to tackle, if they can take a hit or not, or, you know, if they're scared. You know, a lot of a lot of people are scared. <laughs>
0: the special unit became known as the 12th man kickoff team. Coach Cheryl picked 16 guys, and Ike was one of them.
1: I always want to say it was the real deal because I didn't know anybody on the coaching staff. I didn't have any rich friends or any anything that helped me get chosen to be on that football team. You know, all, all that mattered on the football field was how big a heart you have because that, that heart makes you try harder.
0: While the student body loved the idea, the 12th man guys didn't receive as warm of a reception behind the scenes.
1: They didn't accept us uh, for a long time because a lot of the freshmen we were taking their we were taking their playing time. They were they had hopes of getting in the game just like we did. Some of their some of those guys thought that uh, we were going to let them down and allow a kickoff return all the way against us, you know, or something. They thought that we were gonna do something stupid, but over time, we gained their respect, you know, and uh, we got there before everybody else. We worked out the whole time, and then we worked out again for another hour or so after everybody. So between playing football and studying, that's pretty much pretty much all I did.
0: College football is rough, especially when you're playing at a well-known Division One school. The players are big and physical, these are the guys you eventually see in the NFL. But that's not the kind of guys who were on the 12th man team.
1: A lot of coaches nowadays won't go live practice because they're afraid they'll get someone hurt. But back then, Coach Cheryl, we, we went live practice, every practice. And we were basically blocking dummies, had arms and feet, and moved, you know. So uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty tough, you know. Most of the guys that were chosen, the 16 of us, were... Smaller. I, I was five ten and weighed 185 pounds. And uh, every team we played, everybody we were playing against were D1 athletes. You know that most everybody was well over six foot and well over 200 pounds, um, probably well over 250.
0: As the old saying goes, hard work pays off, and it did for Ike and the other members of the 12th man team. They took the field for their first game in 1983 during the home opener against Cal.
1: Stepping out on the field for the very first time, it, you know, it was exhilarating. The stadium, back then, the stadium capacity was 73,000 people. You know, My hometown had a, a little over 3,000 people in it.
0: Nerves were running high that day, and it showed.
1: We got out there, and Coach Sherrill calls an onside kick. <laughs> And and I'm I'm pissed because I want to go down and make a tackle and not go just go, you know, go try to get a football. We were all pretty anxious, so we attempted the onside kick and we ran like a bunch of goobers and touched the ball before it went 10 yards. (laughs) We didn't let it go 10 yards. We got the dang ball.
0: The second time was a charm for the kickoff team. And that next kickoff was the moment Ike became part of Texas football history.
1: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. There was a guy that's right beside me on my team, His name was Tom Bumgardner, and he ran a four which is lightning fast for back in the day. I ran about a four six forty, which wasn't bad for back in the day, but it's not four three at all. Anyway, he's ahead of me just a little bit, and this guy tries to block him, and and he does. He blocks Tom Bumgardner out of my way, and so it's just me and that running back. Dwight Gardner was his name, and as I make the tackle and the contact, he starts slinging me around, and uh, I made contact on about 13-yard line, I think, and... Then the cavalry, the rest of the 12th man guys show up, and uh, and we brought him down about the 16 yard line. So, it was an exciting deal. You know, we were all after the tackle, jumping up, down, and the fans were going crazy. And I <laughs> have this this silly habit and when I get up from a tackle like that. You know, I get up and start going the wrong way, and then I turn, I skip around, and start going back the other way. But it's pretty exciting. For the university, for Coach Cheryl, I'm sure that every coach out there was nervous. The coaches, they didn't really support Coach Cheryl's move until uh, way on down the road.
0: Ike was the first member of the 12th man team to make a tackle, and that set the stage for what was to come.
1: We had the best return against numbers in the nation. I think our average return against us was 13.6 yards, which was... Number one in the nation for a bunch of uh, guys who were nobodies, just walk-ons, just willing to go out there and uh, play football. My life didn't change as much then as it has changed afterwards. It's become... I I didn't realize how big a deal it was.
0: Even though he hasn't played football in 35 years, Ike's commitment to Aggie Nation remains an important part of his life. Ike is a board member of the Texas A&M Letterman's Foundation and a member of the 12th Man Foundation both organizations provide scholarships to students and he regularly goes back to the university because it's about tradition
1: since 1922 all the students have been standing up at the games as a symbol of being able to go in and help anytime the football team needs you and then for that to to actually happen to me you know i did i don't know that i knew all that history at the time and how big of a deal it was in making that very first tackle on the very first 12th man kickoff team You know, several of the players that I played with went and played in the NFL. I was uh, proud of that because we, the 12th man guys, helped make, we helped make those guys better. We gave them a live look. We made them better blockers. We made them better runners just by being what I would call a live blocking dummy.
0: Ike knows he was lucky to have the experience of being on the first 12th man kickoff team. It taught him lessons on and off the field that he still carries today.
1: It helped me understand, once again, that that hard work pays off and uh, that you can do anything, and that friendships are forever and can be forever.
0: Thank you to Ike for sharing his story. Some of the sound from today's episode came from Pomp and Circumstance, performed by the Leo Symphony Orchestra used under license from Shutterstock. Additional sounds came from Pond5 and Jerry Page. If you like this episode, please click to subscribe. If you're listening to this episode through Buzzsprout, consider switching to Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. That way you'll never miss an episode. We post new stories every other week. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.